This is Quit, a podcast about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, and starting something awesome, and potentially kicking your corporate stooge job to the curb in the process. My name is Dan Benjamin. Today is Friday, June 24th, 2016. It's episode number 95. Oh my gosh. That voice is Hattie Cook. Hattie, welcome back to the program. Hi. I don't know if they, if, if I could say that things have improved or deteriorated here in our uh, Austin in office headquarters? And headquarters. You mean it's gotten colder? Well, it's gotten hotter and then it, well, it got very, very cold. And yes. we were, what was the name of the thing you determined we were suffering from? You had some kind of scientific medical name for it. Oh, where our necks kept hurting? Yeah, necks were hurting and then we were getting headaches and there was a name for it. Yes, it's it's a certain kind of um, muscle that's in your neck. It's the V-shaped muscle that's on the back of your neck. But what happens in that scenario? Uh, apparently, uh, if it's already fatigued, especially from working out or whatever, if you are exposed to uh, very cold environments, then the V-shaped muscle, look it up. It's like... Um, you look it up. No, you look it up. I sent it to you yesterday um, in chat. Uh, but then apparently it, it can... And also from sitting at the computer, right. having your arm outstretched on the mouse, and then that kind of like S-shaped spine. Uh -huh. And it's uh, it's not good, but apparently it can... Have you ever like woken up in the morning and you're like, I can't turn my head to the left or sure. to the right? Yeah. Or, it's the worst. Yes. That is the muscle that controls it. Okay. Wait, I have it right here since you're not looking at it. Well, I, yeah, I, I can't be... I can't be troubled to look at... Oh wait, here it is. You're gonna put it in the show notes. Yes, uh, splenius capitis, <laughs> I believe. Gesundheit. Yes, splenius capitis. 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 I don't. <laughs> Neither of us are is. medical. That's it. But I th no, I thought there was a name for the condition, a certain kind of headache or something. I don't care what the name of the muscle is. The name of the you told me all about this splenius trigger point causes and symptoms <laughs> all right anyway i think the cold <laughs> here's what i'm trying to say i think the cold air that was blowing in here it can okay here it can cause pain because i think the our head. listeners need to know about We've this that could suffering. be affecting them yes pain it, inside the head leading to the eye pain at the top of the head pain at the angle of the neck neck stiffness and pain upon rotation and blurry vision I had all of that. Yep. All of that. You're like, I think I'm dying. And I'm like, you're not dying. You just can't something... think of anything good to do. No, you're just. Ferris Bueller line. You yes. missed it. You missed no, it. I know. I haven't seen it in a long time. I think you should watch it every night. <laughs> really? Just yeah. Again and again. So what we had to do is we had to tape up the vents in our office. You, you tweeted a beautiful, beautiful photo. We have used Whole Foods paper, Whole Foods bags. And two different kinds of tape, packing tape and paint tape, the blue masking tape, to try and seal up these vents. And people say, well, why would you be sealing up vents, Dan? Like, why not just adjust the thermostat, as, as we've talked about in the past? You would think that you would just adjust the thermostat, but no. No, we can't because our neighbor controls it. And our neighbor, who is rarely there... Uh, also has, doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. He doesn't want to adjust it. And it's a different temperature in his office, clearly, than it is in ours. So I said to Hattie, after we taped this up, I said, I think this there may be 
collateral damage here. Like there may be a secondary effect. Like maybe the air, because we've we've blocked our vents, it's almost like a flute. If you block two I don't know, of why the air you say holes, it's like a flute because it is. It's a tube <laughs> with holes. <laughs> And then if you block those, that's what you're doing. Uh huh. And then the air goes that way. Yeah. And back into his office. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, my theory was that that could have a negative effect, and that is because we're now blocking our vents, that more cold, more and colder air will go back into his own office, which will then cause him to turn up the thermostat, make it warmer, make it warmer, and that's exactly what happened today. Today we came in, and it's freaking hot in here and we're dying <laughs> oh we have all the fans going i had to have but fans we can't take down the uh the bags like we just we will supplement with the fans yeah we'll have to use the fans and we're only in here for a few more months on this lease and i was talking to my wife about it and i said you know like i'm i'm not the kind of person that wants to walk away from a lease and yes it's a sublease and there's probably very very little that they could legally do but I just don't feel right, even though even though the landlords have been total jerks and the neighbors are terrible and the building sucks. Yep. And the parking sucks. Basically, every, well, the parking's all right. It's better than our last place. The spots are so tight. No. Anyway. They're all right. My car is bigger. You than just me. have a giant car. Mm. Giant Texas car. I wish I had a, it's like one of those big Tahoes or GMC. Yeah. Denali's. Just, just, I want to get, every time I see a Prius... On the road, it, I'm inspired to get yet a bigger car. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to, to just because they think, well, I'm helping the environment by driving eight miles an hour in a 50. I, will, I want to offset their right. their carbon deficit by increasing my <laughs> footprint. You have to make up for them. Right. Well, also, I, you know, people are I like, know that's you- the wrong. It's not a politically correct attitude to have. And yeah. no, I'm not really doing that. But I want to do that. I know. The people are always like, Hattie, why don't you have like a little sedan type car? Like your your car doesn't really seem to suit you or whatever. I'm like, look, I will never have a sedan. I learned to drive on a Suburban. Like, she I said laughing not- while she kicked up her cowgirl boots and hey. her tipped her hat back. and Yeah. So Suburbans and I were friends. And to me, that's what I feel comfortable driving. Mm-hmm. And so my Volvo XC60 is, at least I'm a little higher off the ground. <laughs> when I most. think of cervical muscles, Hattie, I think of the cervix, but that's not that. Correct. Um, the cervical... Um, it has to do with the it's spine. The spine, right. It's an upper, the upper, upper part spine. of your spine. Not like the, um, I'm trying to think of other parts of your spine. Not the thoracic. Uh, see, that's the first one I thought of too. Not thorax, but that word is similar. Aren't, didn't you take Latin? Yes. Thoracic spine, mm-hmm. C-spine. I need a C-spine an stat. A. That means like they, anterior, yeah. anterior spine. <laughs> this is now a medical show. Yeah. Where Hattie just Googles. Splenus trigger point. Wait, it also says... I'll put this in the... Did you already put in the show? It'll I be in the did. show notes at 5x5.tv slash quit slash 95. Cervic, cervicus? Cervicus? The show is almost done, Hattie. Not this episode. I mean the show forever. I know. Five more episodes. Splenus capitis and cervicus muscles, but it says cervicus trigger point. So is that what you were talking about? Yeah, right. I am also putting into the show notes an article about Brexit. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what that was. People have been (laughs) tweeting me ever since yesterday saying, Dan... England just quit. Like you have to have a show all about England quitting. 
because they left the European right, Union. They, really they have well, they have voted to leave to, the European right. Union. That's different from actually leaving, right? And whether they actually leave remains to be seen because there there are other things at play here. But here's the thing: this is not a show about politics. I'm gearing up to do a show about politics and i figure by next election not this coming one but next one i might be ready <laughs> in what is that eight years yeah well no, no it'll be it'll be four years from november oh yeah the re, the re, see i guess i always just think double term you know they're not allowed to do more than two terms i know that's why i was thinking eight but you years. are registered to vote and you will be voting Yes, I need to send in my card. <laughs> oh, you didn't send the thing in? Well, I registered online, but then it was like, but you have to send in the paper. No, you thing. just have to. Well, you read it here in uh, in Texas. You register online, but all it does is <laughs> fill out the form for you. Right, it and doesn't then it's still submit se- it or right. send it anywhere. You have to do everything it's yourself, just, and you're like, oh, it's the okay. difference between uh, taking a form and writing your information on it, or, or typing just it. It's- yeah. Back in the old days, we used to put, we used to feed that into a typewriter, and you type right there on the typewriter. Don't mess I it miss up. stuff like that. I loved a typewriter. You've used a typewriter? Oh yeah, my dad had one in his office, and my sister and I would always go in and type things on it, and the return and everything. I love that. Uh, you know, that's actually a wonderful segue into our topic today, which is uh, again about millennials. Yep. But I'm not ready to go there yet. I still have to finish this Brexit thing. Yeah. I had not. I knew. Like, when was the first time recently that you heard the term Brexit? Like, this when is were the you weird like, thing. I heard people term. talking about Brexit and I had no idea. It sounds like breakfast. It's not. <laughs> but, breakfast, but breakfast had to do with the UK. And then I found out that it, this is. British. Bri- it's British exit. Oh. That's it. Oh, okay. British. Don't make it more complicated. British exit. Do you want to know something very sad and very millennial of me? Yes. <laughs> the first time I ever heard that term was. On the uh, the screenshot of the, I think was it the Daily Mail or something like that, but it was the the pictures of Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston together. That, <laughs> and that there was, was an the... ad for Brexit in the column next to it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, please. So that do everyone it. else can join in. Uh so Brexit is. I can hear you typing through your microphone now. Remember, because we adjusted down the noise gate a little bit? Yes. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's Britain and exit. And why should we care about this? Everyone's talking about it. Everyone cares about this. I'll tell you why it's important to care about it. Because this is a global issue. This is, it's on the one hand, it is a, it affects the finances of the whole world. The European Union, Britain, international currency, all of this, stock markets, international stock markets, international trading, it all affects here in the United States as well as neighboring countries in in Europe. It's a global thing, number one. Number two, it's also important whether or not they stay in the European Union because why Uh, political uh, people such as Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton are talking about how this relates to our own upcoming decision they're saying you know what look what can happen both good or bad depending on which you know which perspective you take look what can happen and this is a way people should vote and they should they should uh speak up they should share their opinions they should share their thoughts by voting and this is what happens when you can vote i was reading an article talking about essentially millennials in the uk did i send you this one hattie to talk about the millennials in the uk 
who woke up uh, to find that the vote had been tallied up and uh, they had decided to leave and that this is interesting and I, I should dig up the link for this, but three quarters of people, I think it was ages 18 to 24. Okay. In the UK, who, who turned out to vote, three-fourths of them wanted to remain in the European Union. Yes, I was going to say the, the the amount of backlash that, you know, from people that live in the UK that I've... Um, you have friends over there. Yes. Everyone is revolting. And it's it's interesting that, like, I don't know, that that so many people, even though it they voted for it or whatever... They didn't. They don't agree with that at all, and it's just. It's- well, here's here's the article, Hattie. That not to interrupt you. Here's the article I was looking for. UK students. This is a Vox article. UK students. We woke up feeling betrayed this morning. Now, I have some problems with the style of writing of this piece. I have. Pro- <laughs> I. I just. I. When I. I am so weird. I think Hattie because I just want the facts. Yeah, Give I don't need the a flowery facts. story. Yeah. I don't embellish it. Don't try and pull me in with if I want drama and and stuff like that. You'll watch a TV show. You know what? I'll watch a TV show or <laughs> I will I will read a novel or a comic book or you know watch a movie or it, National Geographic or I something want, where I don't I, want you know. to tug on the hard strings a little bit for the poor for a UK news story. students and you Oxford UK gloom and disillusionment rippled across the Oxford University campus today as students woke up to not only their final exams, but to news that the British electorate voted to separate from the EU, that their prime minister had resigned over the so-called Brexit, and that their economic prospects were suddenly thrown into turmoil. It gets worse. Standing outside a university cafe after a night of celebration following her final exam, 19-year-old medical student Evie Rothwell said she was feeling a sense of, quote, betrayal this morning. Here's what she says. A really important decision was made for us by the by the elder generation, she explained, noting that exit polls showed that three quarters of voters aged 18 to 24 wanted to remain in the EU. By contrast, more than 60 percent of seniors aged 65 and up voted to leave. Essentially, people much, much older than us and who won't be around for the consequences are giving us a future we don't want, added Jack Leonard, who just finished his undergraduate degree in archaeology and anthropology. But it highlights something, and that is that there is a sharp age divide. 25 to 40, to age, age 25 to 49, most of them did not uh, did not want to leave. It's it, it's, it's the elderly. It's crazy. Uh, something like seventy five, yeah, seventy five percent in that age group, which both of us, you and I, are in. Right. We, I would say most people that are we living their lives in a normal way, working in school, you know, that are not still have families. Right. Uh, age fifty to sixty four. It's pretty close, but most of them wanted to remain just by slight. It's about 55 to 45 there. But 65 and up, about 60% of them wanted to leave. That's very interesting. It's very interesting to me. But 
I wish I knew more about, you know, what, what British was political and why, history and why you know what, that group most of, of us, people... Most of us here in the U.S. don't know about it. But here's no. what's interesting. And what they don't talk about in this article at all. And what I'm curious about, and I'm sure that if I had done more preparation for the show, as Hattie, <laughs> you should have, you as a producer of the show should have done for what? me, intuiting that I would want to know this. However, I would like to see a breakdown of two different numbers. Yes. The first number is how many people there are age 18 to 24 in the UK. How many people there are in the UK, 65 and over. And what percentage, both in percentage and actual numbers, are registered to vote and then how many voted? There's actually three different sets of numbers. I'm not asking you to pull that up for me now, but I would like to plot that on it. I want you to plot that on a chart because here's what's interesting to me. I am I'm willing to wager, willing to wager that there were far few young folks voting. In that first age group, 18 to 24, then there were people 65 and up voting. And the reason why is the people who are 18 to 24 are taking their final exams and they're going out for a night of partying and maybe they're voting, but there's a good chance that they're not. Whereas people, and I'm generalizing, I get that, Hattie, I get it. Yeah. People 65 and up, guess what they're doing? Nothing except voting. Okay. I found a Wikipedia article, uh, the uh, demography of the United Kingdom, Um 41%, they didn't have the same age breakdown, but 11% 0 to 14 years old, 41% 15 to 64 years old, 65 and up, 10%. Wow. I know. Interesting. So where were all those people not right. voting? That's where they were. That's where they were. But anyway, people wanted me to do uh, to do a whole, a whole show talking about Brexit because, oh, UK quit. The fact is... This is about the pe- the people who quit were the ones who didn't vote. That you cannot if if you voted, then you you have a right to complain about things. If you and now don't get me started on the way voting works here in the U.S. I don't even want to talk about it. It's so screwed up, and your votes don't. I mean, they count, but they don't count. That's, I don't even want to go there. I don't even want to do it. Okay, I'm not going to do it. But it's it's. This is something that the effects of this are going to, if, if this continues, if this happens, if all of this happens and, the, and they do wind up leaving, it is going to be a very de- big deal and we will feel the impact of this for a very, very, very long time. They're already seeing the impact of it immediately in, uh, in the stock markets and international trading. I found a great article okay. um, on the Telegraph uh, that breaks down um, the everything. You can see how your area voted. Uh, so there's the final result there. And then so it shows right, you yeah, that. Yeah, put that in the show yeah. notes. That's got great maps and stuff. But let's see what happens. I don't know. And again, this is not a political show, but it's, it's interesting. Register to vote if you haven't and, and go vote. People always think, oh, you know, you can't, we can't really do anything. And you really can. If enough people vote, but that they know it, see, they know what people who are 65 and up and, and, and even a bit younger than that, they know that people 18 to 24 are not going to go vote. What do you care right. about voting for? That's something your parents do. 
your parents vote. You're like, I don't need to vote. Not going to matter to me anyway. But it's true. You don't really wake up until you're 25. You don't really wake up. Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> hi. Here you are. Oh, wait. This is my world? I have to do something about it? And you don't really, really wake up until you have kids. And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. The things that that my parents did, the decisions they made, the presidents they elected are affecting me now? And my children? And, and, and like our world and environment? Really? I guess I better go vote. I guess I better go pay attention to this stuff. Maybe I should become the mayor. Anyway, the good news is uh, now we can buy like Earl Grey tea really cheap. Yeah, Fortnum and Mason. Yeah, because they're... Uh, I'll put Fortnum and Mason. In sure. Their uh, e- economy is screwed already. And I think I think we've gained 10% already on their uh, British franc or whatever they... UK dollars, whatever they have over there. Loonies. I would like to say thank you very much to Linode. Our good friends over at Linode. We host everything on Linode. 5x5 five five is all on Linode. The new podcast hosting and analytics platform that uh, Beta is finally opening up. It's opening up. We're done. Fireside, that's all hosted on Linode. Because I trust Linode and I love Linode. They've got it all. Lightning, quick servers in the cloud, 40 GPS network. They got your automated backups. They got your node balancers. They got managed services. Tons of guides that they've made and that have been enhanced or even in some cases written by their amazing community of people. A simple but powerful control panel. They got 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts, everything you need to get the job done right the first time. And it starts at like 10 bucks a month. 400,000 customers trust Linode, including us. What is it? It's VPSs, virtual private servers. You get a server on their infrastructure, but what's amazing about it is you can scale it up or down depending on what you need. So let's say right now you've got a brand new little website that's just coming out. You don't know, well, you know what? It's a small thing. And all of a sudden it starts getting popular. More people start coming. You want to expand it out. You can just increase the RAM. You can increase the storage space of your VPS. You know what? You Now you need two of these web servers and you want to split out the database server. Clone it. Just clone it from one image to another image and launch a new one in another data center. Put it behind a node. Like all of this stuff is built in. It's amazing. They made a special URL for you guys. Listen to me. Just visiting the URL helps us. It says, Dan, I love the show. Hattie, I love the show. Just going to this URL, linode.com slash quit, L-I-N-O-D-E, linode.com slash quit. Once you're there and you're like, okay, this is cool. I'm going to use this for this project or my next project or, you know, my, my friend, I'm going to tell them about it. Use the code quit20, 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 and you'll get $20 credit. Simple, powerful, reliable, linode.com slash quit. Okay, Hattie. Now, you were going to do your segue. Which was? The segue was talking about millennial, millennials and, uh, and voting. And I sent you this article and you read the article and immediately like, ooh. Made tons of notes. You've got pages. I'm looking at your desk. Well, you have like a page. dictionary of notes. Over. 
And uh, this is a great article. Do you read Quartz on a regular basis, the site QuartzQZ.com? I should. I, I, I know of it. Quartz, I feel like they've been around now. They've been around for a while. But I feel like they kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I agree. They just, one day they were not here. They were here putting out really great here. articles. And the subtitle of this is Generation 1099, which I like. Millennials, the subject of this uh, title of this article, millennials are obsessed with what they're calling side hustles because they're all we've got. So the fact that there's the we in the title, what does that say? It says this is written by a millennial. Now, I looked up the definition of a millennial. Right. Give us the... My friend John Roderick uh, says that he he has a millennial girlfriend. So I had to Google that to be sure that we were to- what, what I was talking about. The general consensus is millennials are anyone who was who was born in 1982 or after. 1982 or after. So essentially, so it's not just the kids. It's not just know? the kids at all. It's people who are from from my standpoint, ten years younger than me, ten or more years younger than me. So that would include you, Hattie. Correct. Uh, it would include one of our mutual developer friends. Yes. I think he was born right he, on in 82. Yeah. And it enrages him that technically <laughs> he is a millennial. Yeah. Uh, so they, they're using, the author is using this term hustles. Now, the, there, in my experience, there was only one time that, uh, that I was exposed to the term hustle before Gary Vaynerchuk kind of, I think, popularized and rebranded it. And it was when I worked at Domino's Pizza and I would, you would do a pizza delivery and this is back when we had this this guaranteed, it was 30 minutes or less or it's free. So I would, you know, you'd have to go, they would call and they'd say, Oh, uh, you know, I want uh, two pizzas with uh, double pepperoni and whatever. And you'd go and and you'd write down the time that they called on the little ticket. Slip. Mm-hmm. It was before we had computers for this stuff. I mean, we had pen. a we we had a computer, but in right. And you would write this down, and it was like a little carbon copy type thing. And you would rip it off, and you'd slide it up, order up that kind of thing. Slide it up into a little thing, and if, and then might sometimes it was you making the pizza. Sometimes they'd have a, a person over there making it, and they would pull that down and they do that. And then that had a little laminated thing. You'd run it against a little sponge, and it would stick to the box, so that after oh. you put the pizza in the oven, you would Almost put like it on stamp. the box, it, like a stamp, except m- maybe more like a sticker. Yeah, like a postage stamp, but it was bigger. Yeah. And uh, and so then when the pizza came through, you would look for the box. The box would have the kind of pizza it was on it, and then it would also have the address and the name of the person on it so that you would take it out, put it in, and then that would be the order to go out. And you'd usually take a couple different orders at the same time if they were close to each other. We didn't have GPS. We had a map up on the wall. And you'd look at it. And you'd look at it. And you'd say, okay, this is in this development. And of course, these were developments that had hundreds of houses. So you'd right. have to, you'd be expected to like remember not only where the place was and how to get to it, but where within these incredibly complicated right. developments this With thing like was. With like cul-de-sacs and like, you know. You could not, you could not call the person once you left. No. Because you didn't have a phone with you. There were no cell no. phones. 
you uh, you would just be driving and hoping not only that you could find them, but you could find them in the dark, in by a place memory. you'd never been, right, by memory, driving around through this place like crazy. It was crazy. But we did it. And, of course, you had to do it within 30 minutes or you would get in trouble because then they would <laughs> lose the money. Yeah. I, I think I've told this before on this show, but that a pizza... All at this time, and we're talking about the the late 80s or very early 90s, I was told by the manager of the Domino's Pizza at the time that a full, large, extra large or large size pizza with, I think it was like called the Supreme maybe, which had every topping, every topping large pizza cost in, in materials, 37 cents. That's insane. And that pizza back then probably sold for 16 bucks, 18 bucks, something like so that. So pizzas, ordering pizza has always been really expensive. It's always been expensive and they've always been making a huge killing. Yeah, because in- like I remember growing up, I mean, yes, I grew up kind of far out of town, but like in order to order a pizza, it was going to be like $40. <laughs> wow. Because we had to drive really far or, <laughs> but like the pizza itself was probably... $25 to $30. Like, Man. It sucked. Well, when I would be coming back in to go and pick up the next pizza order to go back in my car and drive it to, they would say, all right, come on. The manager would be in there and he'd kind of like have the door open. Come on, Dan. Show some hustle. Show some hustle. Right. Come on. Show Good some hustle. hustle. And they, they want you to run from your car into the pizza place. Run. Into the pizza place. They don't care if you fall and break your teeth. Well, I never did that. But that was so. That was my first exposure to hustle. This I is agree. probably 1990, let's say. Second exposure to hustle. Gary uh, this guy was hustling me. Oh, yeah, well. Yeah. So I have a negative connotation toward hustle. Yeah, hustle is a thing your gym teacher yells at you when you're like doing laps in the gym. Used car salesmen like, hustle you. <laughs> Use car salesmen right. hustle you. So it kind of is like it's the it's the rush, it's the sale, it's the thing. But now uh, millennials are co-opting this and using this uh, term. It's my hustle. It's my hustle is now hustle is a noun. It is a thing that you right. have. It's another way of saying the, the job the, that I do. The job that I do. In this case, the job I do on the side, not my real job, but my side job. I looked up in the dictionary hustle. Uh, is number one definition is a verb force someone to move hurriedly or unceremoniously in a specific in a specified direction they hustled him into the back of a yes. horse-drawn wagon uh the used car salesman hustled the customer yep. in other words kind of like, forced them to go into something they didn't really want to go like into. hassle like it's both uh-huh you know uh-huh and see all that uh so they're you know, but here they're using it as a noun, you know, and, and here, if again, in the dictionary, it says noun, busy movement and activity, the hustle and bustle of the big cities. Nowhere does huh. it say my side job or my job. But anyway, millennials are obsessed with side hustles because they're all we've got. This is written by Catherine Bob Maguera, Maguera. Can I read a little bit of this to you, Hattie? Yes, please. Before we get to your notes. On weekends, Colleen teaches fitness classes. Mary builds websites. Luke sells vintage video games. Tony designs and 3D prints custom Star Wars miniatures. I write for the internet. 
among my friends and 20 to 30 somethings as a whole, the side hustle, the gig you work in addition to your day job is so ubiquitous that in April, Glamour magazine posed a rueful question. You don't freelance on the side. What kind of urban dwelling millennial are you? Failing to participate in the trend might even lead one to a, quote, millennial identity crisis. Advertisers, including those you might not think of as in the vanguard, have glommed on to this Chevy ad, which is linked to and I will not link to it, suggests owning a cruise. What does a cruise look like? Chevy cruise. Yeah, what does it look like? I think it looks like a, I don't know. Is a way is a way to hashtag fuel your hustle. It's a t- that should be the title. Hattie. Fuel your hashtag. hashtag fuel your hustle. <laughs> I like that. It's a two minute long rallying cry to being your own boss. Sure, there's no explicit mention of using your shiny new car as an Uber, but if you're under thirty five, you can probably hear that dog whistle. She continues. I'll only read a little more, but it's entertaining. I'm not objecting. It's a relief to see facts leading marketing rather than the other way around. We are Generation 1099. I love that. That's a reference (laughs) to the, for those who don't freelance, the 1099 document. That is the form that you fill out, and that's the way that you get paid. Instead of your W-9, right? Yeah, W-2. W-2. Instead of being an employee, it's the way you would get paid for side work. Hattie, you were actually on 1099 for the first few weeks. Yep. Because I wasn't sure about you. Yeah. I'm still not. And see, yeah, see, first 1099, then you move on to W-2. Right. Or maybe you don't. By our side hustles, ye shall know us. What surprises me is that no one, at least to my knowledge, has tried to explain why. And this is where the article actually gets pretty interesting. Uh, they're basically saying that she's suggesting that you Google the term side hustle. She's saying that uh, the side hustle is more than just a financially oriented thing. Like not just, I want to make an extra $200 a month or kind of the, the side of like, Oh, I work three jobs. It is Mm -hmm. not in that same category. You right. wouldn't say your side hustle is, oh, one of my three jobs that I work. No, it's there's there's a little bit more to it. Right. Now, she does explain in this article that, um, and the Urban Dictionary, she links to that of a side hustle, is that it is uh, it is a second job. But again, like, like everything with like Friendsgiving, millennials yeah. have to title everything. They have to come up with we a name it. for everything. It can't, it can't just be called like, I have a second job or I do side work or I freelance. It has to be called the side hustle. And all of this comes from, you know, Friendsgiving. What is Friendsgiving? Oh, I hung out with some of my friends instead of just my family or in addition to hanging out with my family. And yes, it was it was like a Thanksgiving for friends. Well, it's Friendsgiving. We got to have a title for everything. That's fine. Well, that's just like, uh, you know, Hiddle Swift. Like we like to merge. What's that? Merge. Tom Hiddleston and Taylor Swift. You merge their names. Oh, oh the right. celebrity name combo. Right, right. It, it Friendsgiving sounds like that to me. Yeah, it's just a combination of friendships. Brexit. Brexit. Yeah. See, yeah. it's just a thing. Yeah, it's with Twitter and hashtags. Like you want to be able to refer to a thing and have people know what it is. Right. I think. Uh, so it says the sheer range of side hustles suggests there's more in play than money. There are well-known app-based gigs like Uber and TaskRabbit. You've got the day job with a freelance extension, the full-time graphic designer who also has her own clients. Then there's what you might un- ungenerously call the side hustle as self-promotion, which covers some yoga teachers and life coaches, though by no means all. 
Next along the line is the side hustle as self-delusion, i.e. spending years on some doomed artistic effort that will make the world care and understand at last. But she says that she earned after taxes, oh, before taxes, yes, this is $415 for doing her internet writing. Over the course of a year. Over a whole year. So this is a long article, but she goes in to say, you know what? Maybe this side hustle that I have is something that I'm doing the way that previous generations did hobbies. Or, or right. maybe it's something that I'm doing with the hope that this will lead me to something that I couldn't have found, some kind of success, some kind of job, something that I would not have been able to find or get to in, in my regular job. Because I am doing something that I love and hopefully the universe will feel that right. <laughs> and reward me in the sense of like everyone wants their the thing that they love to do. They want to do that for their job. Mm -hmm. And one of the notes that I made was it's not like they're escaping horrible corporate stooge. Oh, I work as a, um, you know, a law assistant and I'm just bored all day and right. I have to wear a gray suit. Like that's not what they're doing. They're not trying to, oh, quick, I got to get home. I want to work on my pottery. Like it's not quite like that. It's more of just when I'm creative and when I feel good about doing something mm -hmm. th that I feel like people are just branding it as a hustle because they're like, you know what? I enjoy doing this. Why can't it make money? I think podcasting is also a side hustle for a lot of people. Yes. For most, I would think. And I think that, uh, you know, people nowadays, and I think in the past too, people are very complex and, it's we're not just one thing. We're not just a designer. We're not just or you or uh, you don't want to be just right, a designer or just a thing. You're in a box. Right. But you know what? If you do a lot of different things, that's that. You know that makes sense. Yeah, I think you made a really really good point there, Hattie. In that we're complex. Why can't our careers reflect that? Right. Why can't? Why? How? You know, we've talked about this on the show. I think, but. I've often heard, and maybe you can confirm that as in, in many other countries, well, here in the U.S., let's say that you and I met at a, uh, we were at a meetup at a capital factory in downtown talking about entrepreneur stuff or whatever. Uh, I would say, hi, I'm Dan. You'd say, hi, I'm Hattie. I'd say, well, what do you do? And you'd say, oh, I work uh, here. I do this thing. And I, what do you do? Oh, right. I'm, I'm such and such a person over at oh, this I thing. I work over here. Yeah. Right. Apparently, in other countries, that's almost, uh, especially like UK, that's almost considered like rude, because right? Because I, I think they take it as they're trying to find out how much money I make. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Like oh, how much money or- you're or a lawyer, they, a doctor. Oh, you're just in sales. <laughs> like What I've also heard in addition to that is that, th that that's just the thing that I do to pay my bills and that- I am a human. I am a person with, the, with these many interests- and uh, and asking what I do for a living would almost be like, you know, asking someone what kind of car they drive. Who cares right, what like, kind what of car I drive? Right. It doesn't define me. My job doesn't define right. me. Right. My job has, oh, in fact, my job has nothing really to do with me. Right. That's the way that I'm paying bills or providing me with the money that I, I need to take this three-month vacation job. Right. and get my free health care. So it's, there's a very different mentality of it. And I think- you know, back in certainly in my grandparents' day and definitely in my parents' day, 
you would you would if you were lucky you went to college and then you went into a profession or trade or you had a job and you very closely i think identified with that job my mom uh, you know worked at one place for a very 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 long time my dad pretty much spent his entire career at one place my grandfather worked for the government uh as a metallurgist doing like anti-ballistic stuff his entire life his whole right. career one place well and the, the that's same, gone now right no it's it's interesting because like you know and even the idea that you might spend two or three years in one place now is bizarre and of course right. and you've got that side hustle going because it's almost like saying well like I do this one thing here but I do this other thing here we just look at look at what Chloe just did Chloe yeah. had a, a successful pimp her stuff yeah pimper stuff uh, she had a successful design career. She was on this show. Yep, she was a, a UX designer. She's a UX designer. She uh, at a, at a cool company, and I my understanding is she was happy at the company, but she wanted to pursue doing something else. What did she wind up doing? She wound up starting her own thing, freelance illustration. Freelance illustration, which she was doing as a side hustle. Now, my question is, you know, is she going to need to do a side hustle of this now? Is she going to need to do UX design on the side? While she's doing this full time, that would not be weird, would it? Well, you know, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing freelance uh, art now, but I still do UX design on the side as my side hustle. Right. When are they going to switch? It's, it's, that's very they just interesting. just flip back and forth. That's very interesting. You know what else like is when, really interesting? What happens when the side hustle becomes your main hustle? <laughs> right. Well, that's, then they have to listen to this show because that's the whole point of this show is attorney. I don't like the term side hustle because I don't like the term hustle. But I respect it. I'll use it if that's what people want to call it. But there's something that almost sounds like you're trying to make it cool. Like, yeah, I got a side hustle. Like my side hustle is. I right. And almost thing. kind of downplaying it in a way as like, this isn't my career. Don't link me to this as if you think I'm always going to be making small an pottery animals my whole life. Oh, like, I love those little pottery I animals. I know. You know the ones I'm talking I do about. Know. They're so amazing. <laughs> that woman is super I talented. I, know. I follow her on Instagram. Me too. I just like everything. Speaking of things I like, I like parachute. Parachutehome.com slash quit. They got they got the coolest stuff. Online betting. What do you think online betting? Like what what do you care about online betting for? You you go and you go and get one of these fancy new uh, mattresses that we talk about on the show sometimes, right? But then you're using these these uh ancient uh ancient sheets, these nasty Sheets that your dog rolled in. <laughs> you know what goes on in sheets, Hattie. I don't want to talk about it. It's <laughs> ugh. You need a set of new sheets. That's what I'm saying. You need new sheets. Right now, how, think to yourself, when did you buy those sheets? Now, Hattie, I know you know because all you do is talk about your new parachute <laughs> sheets. So I know exactly when you got yours. I just lounge in them and I just lay. <laughs> and I'm like, but every, most people every don't even know. Bed, most smile. people are saying, you know, if, if, you, if millennials are listening to this, even the ones born in 1982, they're sitting there saying, "You know what? I think these sheets I have, I got. I don't. I think I got them at Walmart when I was in my second year of college. It's time to replace them. Did right. you just get a new bed? Don't you want new sheets to go with it? Do you just get a, a new apartment or buy a new house? Like, there's a million reasons, and a good reason is it's just time. Because the better the sheet, the better sleep you will have." Mm -hmm. You'll feel more cozy. You'll feel more comfortable. You'll feel happier. 
Here's where you go. Parachute home, parachutehome.com slash quit. Again, same deal. Visiting the URL shows them that you're listening. It's the only way that our sponsors know that you even heard this spot. Yep. Only way. Well, besides. Well, besides buying something, right? And you're going to want to buy something. They got new sheets. They got duvets. They got bedding essentials. You're going to get $25 off your first order using the code quit. So support the show by going to parachutehome.com slash quit. Support yourself to the tune of 25 bucks using the offer code quit. Thank you to Parachute for supporting this show. So tell me some of your other notes from this article. I know you get a whole stack of them. Yeah, I have. uh, Oh, in uh, in the article, Mm -hmm. uh, she also mentions that because she's a journalist, she she says... uh, in which many of traditional dream careers from working in the arts to becoming a lawyer go from being long shots to being totally uh, untenable or more li- or more or less cease to exist altogether. Mm. And I thought that was interesting. She talks about the show Girls, where uh, one of the characters, Marnie, wants to be an art curator until she's told by a curator that the curator isn't really even a job anymore. It doesn't really exist. Mm. So I was thinking about that and... I was thinking like what if we what if we have a dream as we were growing up to like be something and we work really hard and we practice and we study at it and we graduate college only to be told that the job doesn't really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. What do you do then? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting because I wanted to be a graphic designer mm-hmm. and and became, like, you I became to, one. Well, I wanted to be a print designer. I wanted to design CD mm, albums. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be in the magazine industry. I wanted to be, but those careers hardly exist anymore. Yeah. Like the, I mean, it's the it's physical a it's a going design. Yeah, that that's going away. Right. People don't even like album artwork now. Is just digital artwork. That's it, and it's a square. It's not a cool fold out. Um, you know piece with different types like you don't need to know the weight of paper as a designer really anymore if you're a digital yeah. designer and yeah. it just you know it's interesting because the the job market is just changing and we actually have to worry about jobs going away <laughs> yeah i think you know having that side hustle then in a way is sort of insulation nice <laughs> against that, right? Uh-huh. It's an excellent backup. It's a way for people who are, you know, who are doing something that they don't have a lot of faith in and what intelligent person who's ever listened to this show would have too much faith in their full-time job anyway, right? Exactly. We've, we've we, over 95 episodes have taught them not to do that. We've taught people. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. But the interesting thing is, when I was coming up, if you had a side job, a side hustle. You must not be. Keep going. No, you're saying I was going to say, you you must not be serious about what you want to do. You must not be devoted to us in this company. You must not really care. You must be wanting to do your own thing. And if you want to do your own, it's. If you want to do your own thing, go and do your own thing. Get out. (laughs) It's incompatible for you to work here and also, how can you want to work here, but also want to do your own thing? Also, you're how splitting could you your energy. Both? Right. And your care. Right. And your Why want you, to do a job. Right. Why aren't you giving us 100%? You're saving 70, you're saving 25%. Why are you and giving flying us out of here at five? Right. That's bad to leave on time. It's right. bad to do, to put in eight, nine hours a day 
and then uh, and then go home and work on something else that's interesting well, to also, you. Also, what do you think How dare you? Um what do you think counts as a side hustle? Like she said yoga and life coaching or whatever. Does that mean you're like, "Oh, I work as a I just use a developer. I'm a developer and then after five, I'm a yoga teacher or just on Saturdays. Like, when do you think it starts to count? And when is it just like, I do that sometimes? I don't know. Like, I like paper cutting. Do I do it every day? No. Do I like making paper art? Yes. But that's not my side hustle. I'm not doing anything actively Only with Only because you haven't turned that into something that makes you $415 so before taxes a year. You, do you think that... <laughs> but that to me doesn't count as crap. That's nothing. 400 I'm sorry. If... if Yeah, you can't really call it a hustle. At, at what point does it really become a hustle? Because the, this woman who's writing this article, I don't know what she's getting paid from her full-time job. Okay? But I can tell you... That four hundred and something dollars isn't enough to make a difference in her life over the course of a year. No, and she mentions that, and she's like, you know, me being it's, in it for the money is an understatement, right? <laughs> it's you. So there, there has to be that component to it, doesn't there? That the thing you that you're doing is like your side doing. hustle. You have to actually really like doing. Again, very different from a lot of the the me coming up time of side jobs because the side jobs were. You didn't necessarily do them because you liked them. You did it because maybe you liked it. If you if it was good, you liked it. But a lot of the time you did it because it was paying you money. You were making extra right. money. How can I make extra money? So the original side jobs that we always did in my were day to were- to make money. <laughs> it, and it was typically the same thing that you did during the day. Like during the day, I'm a software developer. And at night, I'm a software developer. I just charge right. uh, and- or you work know on what? Separate projects. On the weekend, I build wooden furniture and I sell it at the farmers market. Right. Like I feel like those are side hustles because you're making money. But right. if you're just and and it's this a is what I was if you're say, not if you're not making an income that makes a difference to your quality of life, it's a hobby. Even if you make money doing it. Yeah. If if all it is is giving you an extra dinner out once a week, right. or a couple coffees here and there, or maybe an extra mortgage payment once a year, th- those that's a hobby that happens to make you some money. Nothing wrong with that. Right. But don't glamorize it or turn it into something. Right. It's not. I think if you have an Etsy, if you and which I think Etsy itself helped like build up the whole side hustle thing because it said look people for sure what you do what you do your artwork the things that you make jewelry pottery people will buy these things and they won't just have to be things that you make and then they just sit on your shelf at home sell them people want to buy them right you know and i think that that fueled this side hustle fire and i think that that it it just made people realize that the talents that they have that are not directly relatable to their main career can still make them money even if it's a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that little bit of money, it would make you happy because you can say, I, I got paid for doing something I like to do. But there's another aspect to oh, this. Yeah, but I just thought of something too. Go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> well, Okay. We post a picture on the internet, on Instagram, people like it. We tweet something, people reply and favorite it. We sell something, people buying it is just a like. 
I like you. I all like right. what you make. I think it's the same thing. Validation. Validation. Like, and, and millennials are all about that. And being connected right. to not just our inner circle of friends, but to the world. And yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. Well, what I was going to add to that is uh, that the side hustle is often not what you are trained to do or what you are what your degree is in for example i see this a lot like um you might be a software developer but at night you make these little you you do a podcast or you do the little what were the little things the little creatures the thing you're just the little um like ceramic ceramic things animals yeah you know so like and uh, kitty kitty mums remember her kitten kitty num num kitty num nums that's the one you know, she what is she, what she has a side Etsy business, right? And then did that become her main thing too? So, like that's probably she wasn't trained necessarily in that. It was something that she liked to do, and it's also a safe way. And because and here's my big theory. You ready for it? Because millennials are so completely unprepared to fail. Yep. That if they actually were to say, "I'm going for it." I am staking it all on this thing and I'm going to go and do right. this thing that I just really, really, really want to do. And I'm going to go out there and get, if I, you know what, if I can make it there, I'll make it anywhere. New York, I'm going. It, they don't do that. Millennials don't do that because no. they have not been taught to take those kinds of risks. They have not been taught how to fail. Well, and, and I they think have, our, our, our parents also kind of scared us in the sense of like, well, if you fail, like then everything's gonna be bad. Right, but like, how can you <laughs> how can you fail at a side hustle? You right. can't. You can't. Oh, I did some freelancing. Oh, I just stopped making just stopped pottery doing, animals. I don't do it anymore. I got bored. There's something else to do. Now I'm doing this. Oh, well, did it not sell? Oh, wow! Oh, 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 oh. I wasn't doing it to try and make money. Okay, let's get this straight. I made some money. I was not doing it to make money. Doing it because I liked it. I loved it. I love doing it, and I'm just my Fueled heart was my really soul. In it. And the fact that I was making money, I mean, kind of legitimized it for me. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not about the money. I'm not doing it for money. I did it because I loved it. And that's fine, too. I totally respect that. Absolutely okay. But let's just be clear on, on what it is. And I get this question probably more than any other question that I get. And that question is... How do I know when my side job, my side hustle, whatever it is, is something I should start really paying attention to? How do I know right. when it's grown into now it's like a true side business? How do I know well, that I'm really, it's you know, like all can the take people it somewhere? That have written in that have said, you know, oh, I work as, you know, in medical research or something and I really want to be a developer. That's their side hustle. And we've told them again and again to say, you know what? you know, work at this, do this after hours, mm -hmm. you know, do, have this be your side hustle. And when right. it starts to really make you some money, then switch over. But right. like the side hustle, it just, you know what? Actually, it just means everyone's been listening to the show. Mm -hmm. Somebody just branded it side mm -hmm. hustle. Yeah. No, I think you're right. We're We're in a very weird time right now. Yeah. Where all of these, all of these, uh, the, the, there, there, there are very different viewpoints, I think, today 
from the millennials because they they haven't been taught to fail. Okay, oh, okay, okay. Here's a good example. I don't think I talked about this. My son came home from school on like one of the last days of school and he had some trophy or medal or something. And he's like, dad, look, I got this medal. And I said, what, what did you get the medal for? And he said, oh, everyone in my class got it. You know, it was for participating in the math thing, whatever it was. Right. And I walked over to him and I grabbed the medal and I ripped it off of him. And I held it up right an inch from his face. And I said, you have shamed me. You didn't do that. No, I didn't. I said, that's awesome, buddy. High Good five. job. High five. <laughs> he gave me a high five. And uh, <laughs> and I said, that's awesome. And, you know, like he, he put it with his other medals that he's gotten uh, for participating in stuff. I think he just likes that it's just, a medal. Like, I don't of think course that he does. it matters. And what kid doesn't want to win something? And what kid doesn't want to get something? Well, also... Every kid wants free stuff. Right. <laughs> You're going to give this to me? Right. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just really thought, you know, this is exactly the kind of thing that there's nothing I see on the one hand how happy it made him and I want him to be happy. And of course, he did participate in it and there weren't winners and losers and like I get all of that. But at the same time, now I know that my son is a driven person. And that he he likes he likes to compete in a way he likes to be good at things and he knows what he's good at he knows what he's not good at he's also learned what it's like to fail and try and then succeed so he is he has met more challenges at his age than I had met at his age so I'm okay with that uh, but there there is this culture of just we're going to present you with a situation so that. Even in the worst case scenario, if you do There's essentially nothing, yep. you are still going to get a medal. You will still have participated. And all we're looking for is your participation. And eventually, they're going to hit the real world and it's going to kind of suck. Unless the real world just gives adults the same version of that. But at some point, the money is going to run out. Yeah. At some point, the safety net that was given to you by your parents saying... Oh, it's it's okay. You can come move back home. You can live back at home with us. In fact, I kind of want you to live back home. I haven't changed your room at all. Uh, those people, they will run out of money, essentially. They're going to have to go uh, into retirement, and they're they're not going to yeah. have that that safety net will be gone. There's a, there's a funny um, poem by George Watsky, who is awesome, by the way. You should check him out. Um, I hate to I hate to correct you like this. It's George Washington. Oh, right. It's a different. Okay, sorry. Just so that you say it right. Uh, but <laughs> it's a letter to my 16 year old self is what it's called. Oh, okay. And uh, one of the lines is, "I don't believe in hell, but I believe in my parents' couch." And I loved that line. <laughs> I thought, "Oh my god, it's so quit related because it's it's true." Like that's, I mean, and he's a millennial, I believe. I think I don't know, but that I thought that line was fitting. I mean, why do you think, Hattie, that there, and before you answer, I'm going to tell you about something else I like, but why do you think there is such a difference in the mindset between you as a full-fledged millennial and so many of the other millennials that you know, that you're friends with, that we've uh, had working here, interns or whatever, you know, why? Because that, 
that age group is all the way from, I would say, early 30s mm-hmm. down to early 20s, late I was going to say, where does it end on the young edge? Like, And what's the next generation after that? Yeah, I'm going to Google that and ask the Tome of Knowledge, the source of all, which is Wikipedia. Emperor Wikipedia. Right. Um, it says 19, from the early 80s to around 2000. Okay. Okay. So if you were all born... in 2000? Yeah, that's I don't what it think, says. Well, okay. So my kids are not millennials. No. They're whatever the next is after that. <laughs> but you're in that range. I am. Our buddy is in that range. I, um, and I I think I associate with the higher end you of defi- the range. No, I know than you do. Lower. That's that you definitely do. But even my sister does too, and she's really? two years younger than me. Okay, now I'm gonna tell you about one thing that I really like, and that's Wellfront. An automated investment service with nearly three billion in client assets under management. They manage a diversified, continually rebalanced portfolio of index funds. Those are the good ones. On behalf of their clients in a low cost and tax efficient manner. What does that mean in plain English? It means they make it easier for anyone to get access to sophisticated, diversified, long-term investment portfolios without high fees, without account minimums, all the stuff, the baggage that comes with traditional wealth managers. Normally, historically, you'd need to invest at least a million dollars in order to get the attention of a good financial advisor or wealth management professional. And then you would pay them at least 1% per year in management fees. That doesn't sound like a lot. But boy, does that ever add up, especially with things like compound interest coming into play. Wealthfront is different. They charge no trading commissions. They're completely free for accounts under $10,000. And above that limit, $10,000, their management fee is only 0.25% per year. The best of modern technology with rigorous investment research, cutting out the middlemen, giving everyone sound investment management. It doesn't matter if you've got 500 bucks, the extra money you made with your side hustle. side hustle. Or 500,000 or 5 million, doesn't matter. You're going to get the same high quality treatment, high quality advisement and investment management. And it's amazing. They made a special URL, wealthfront.com slash five by five. Here's the deal. If you go there, remember I told you that uh, $10,000 would be managed for free. If you go to that URL, 15,000 will be managed entirely free of charge, no commissions, no hidden fees, no management fees, up to 15K forever. Go check it out, wealthfront.com slash five by five. The you are different, Hattie. Why are you different from other millennials? Well, Talk about your parents and your aunt and uncle and say, your entrepreneurial blood. Yes. I come from a long line of entrepreneurs, uh, but it's true. I um, My parents work for themselves. My aunt and uncle work for themselves. All of my parents' friends are either freelancers or work for themselves. I guess that's typically the same thing. Um, I mean... Everyone that I grew up around did a side hustle that yeah. was their main thing. And uh, I think that that plays into it. But I also think that 
My parents are uh, much older than many of the millennials' parents. Um, my parents are not. What's what are what's your generation? You're not baby boomer. You're no, Gen, I'm Gen X. X. Yeah, proud oh, of it too. I think most millennials we're the, we're the slacker generation. Well, I think most millennials have Gen X parents, but my parents are baby boomers. They're much older, um, and so I think that that. Right, your that parents made a difference, and I don't know why. I would, yeah, you know what, you know what, that's why you just <laughs> that—that that is absolutely why your dad, and we've talked about this. Yes. Your dad and my mom are like a year, couple so of years apart. apart. Yeah. Your mom is a handful of years younger, but still, both of them in the same age group. Now, here, I looked this up. The baby boom, baby boomers. Yeah, give me the age, the years for that. What it says is, it says, uh, you know, it, it. They're trying to define the boom years. What it looks like they're saying uh, is that it was in nineteen, like the mid nineteen forties. Yep. To the mid nineteen sixties. Yep, that's my parents. Okay. Now. Uh, my Gen X is kind of defined as being... I would say like mid-60s mid to, to 1980, right? Yep. right? So, I mean, and I, I, different definitions kind of stretch that. Uh, Australia's McCrindle Research Center uses 65 to 79. But see, that still wouldn't encompass but my parents. But it's not your parents. No, not at all. Not anywhere near right. them. My parents are, I think, one or two years apart. Uh, squarely baby boomers. Yep. And it's fascinating because uh, you're, you come from... Now, I'm, I'm curious to know if there are a lot of baby boomers I know. whose parents are that age group or not because I think the combination of... My your, parents your, waited a long time to have kids too. Right, they did. My mom had me when she was 26 years old and she was like... My dad was 40. I know. <laughs> okay, so that's... that's 32, 14 years. Yeah. 14 years your dad waited longer mm-hmm. than my mom waited to have me. And by the way, every all of my mom's peers, and she tells me this story, all my mom's peers... We're telling her, you are insane. What are you waiting for? She was like incredibly- She was on the tail end of it. Yeah. She was like, why are you- Because her friends were all 20 and 21 having kids. So she waited like five years longer, Hattie, than- uh, then, then your mom did. Why are you making these faces? Because I'm, tr- I'm doing math. <laughs> what of what for what? Well, I'm trying to find out how my dad was when, or my mom was when she had me, but I forgot. You know how old she is now. I can subtract exactly. your age from her. Yeah, age. okay. That see, I was almost there, but then you started. You interrupted. You me. looked very well because like you were doing me... trigonometry or something <laughs> <laughs> and pooping. Hate, well, I'm trying to pay attention <laughs> to the show. Well, here's the point: your parents waited a long time. I don't think that's as common with the millennial generation or with the baby boomer generation either. Right. Whereas now, I was 35 when my son was born. Which, by the way, I thought was, you know, way too soon. Like, why am I doing this now? I'm not ready. I'm not ready to be a parent. I'm only 35. But now, that's, that's a very different thing. Now, most of the people, most of the, my parents, 
in my peer group of age age group, most of the people that are in my kids' classes are within two or three years of my age. Right. It's almost, I, I do not see, I, I mean, I don't want to make a generalization, but I'm, try, I'm racking my ba- brain trying to think of people that I know with kids in my uh, son's class who are 30-somethings. Almost all of them are 40-somethings. And so that means people are waiting. People wait. Longer. We waited until we were in our mid thirties yeah. to have our first kids, and and people in my little girls' class, again the same age as me. There are some younger because she's only four, but still, like that's a fascinating thing. Like my cousins, I think are Gen X because they're in their forties now. Yes, and their kids are seven and eight years old. Right. And so that's interesting. Yeah. They waited a long time too. They didn't get married until they were 30 or 31. Right. So I think everything is just shifting. And I think my generation, even though I do know people, many people that have had babies that are my right. age. You told me. I thought that was very interesting. But, um, but they, I think that if you're not married now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you're just, if you're single right now and you're just 20, on your own, a 20-something single. I think you're going to wait a long time. Yeah. I don't know. I just see that trend because I see people focusing on their careers so much. Sure. And I think people are just millennials, especially, you know, if you're, if you have a career and then you also have a side hustle, like where's your time? Right. <laughs> right. Where are you dating someone unless you met them in college and then you just stayed with them? So, I don't know. We often, you and I often joke because like, well, I'll, I'll play a, a song on our uh, Amazon Echo and I will, I was careful not to say that. I know. Forever. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I will say the, I'll, I will, you know, play a song or something from like the 80s. And I'm singing along exactly And you'll know, like, how it. do you know that song? Why do you know that song? I often joke. I think you, sh- you should have been born you know, 10 or 15 years earlier based on your attitudes and the way that you, because yes. you fit much more into, I think the Gen X and, and it, there are people who, who we do know who are squarely in this millennial thing. Now the point, the reason I talk about all this is because I don't think it's too late for millennials. I don't think that it's all, just all done for them. I don't think that they need to uh, just throw in the towel and go and sleep on their parents' couch forever. I think that there is, hope for them There's still. Hope. And the way that I think they uh they can focus on that on being be- being better people who can strive to be like us Gen Xers is by actually trying things and being okay to fail and pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps and uh and that's harder than it sounds but by really there's this lackadaisical attitude that I see so often with people that's like they don't want to they don't want to care too much because if you care then you'll talk the, then if you fail if you care and you fail people will be like oh I'm so sorry also you know what I wanted to point out two things one I think everything we do especially millennials is so public everyone knows Everything that everyone's doing all the time. Everyone knows who's married. Everybody knows who's had a baby. Everybody. So if you start something, everyone's going to know about it. And if you fail at it, everyone will know. It's not like in the past when people, you could start something and fail and no one would ever even know unless you told them. 
So I think that's a great point. Yeah. And I also think, do you think, uh, this is a question I was going to ask you, do you think that the people, do you think the reason that millennials keep getting this bad rap at their main jobs is because their heart is really in their side hustle? If you know what, that's a great question. Or do you think they've split their time so much that it's actually showing in their main job? That is very possible. You know, I think I think the only way you can justify not having a side hustle now is if you're in one of those companies. You know the ones I'm talking about, Hattie. The ones where people spend all their time together. They do all their stuff together. They have beer in their fridge. They've got a coffee bar. You know They've what? They've got everything and they're always together. And on the weekends, they're over one of those people's houses and they're hanging out. Their friends and their coworkers are one and the same. The si- the to side reduce hustle. the side hustle. Wow. Yeah. I feel like I just blew open my brain. I think you did blew it, blow there, open. It's a mind control. <laughs> They're trying, sound like Lolly. There's a mind control. <laughs> They're trying to not let you have that time to get distracted and do something else that might become your full time job, which would then take you away from your career. Yeah. Hmm. Something to think about. Yeah. Let me tell you about. Our final sponsor of the day, our friends over at Quip, who named their company after this show, just then, with a P instead of a T. We sent them a letter. Were you on your mute? Yeah, list? I sent them it. We <laughs> sent them a letter and said you had, yeah. And so they just they they like did the little like black marker right. over the over the uh, the T, and they just made right. The when you see their Q. logo, it's essentially the same. It's it's the Quit art with right. just the, the like P a black written, marker. Yeah. 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 Let me tell you about Quip, Q-U-I-P.com, Quip. Actually, they made a special URL, quip.com slash quit. And they had this philosophy, and the, the philosophy is the way we work today is dumb. We're drowning in email, we're interrupted by meetings, we're getting nothing done. So uh, Brett Taylor, you know Brett, good old Brett, CTO of Facebook, and uh, Kevin Gibbs, creator of a Google App Engine, they were hanging out one day and they're sitting there and they're like, you know what? There's a better way to work and communicate. And they stood up and in doing so, did the thing, boom, and you knock the chair back with the back of your knees. I think I know, yes. You stand up, boom, and you knock the chair at back and they did the double high five and when they did the double high five, their fingers intertwined. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh, yes. Like if you do a high five and then you slightly twist your hand you put, and you grip you intertwine your each other's fingers right. yes and they stared each other in in the eyes and they said let's do this <laughs> and they said you know what <laughs> we're crazy enough to rethink and and now we will build a productivity suite from the ground up these tools are old it's an old paradigm an old tech stack non-mobile era stupid dumb done with it and they made a new thing, living documents, living documents. This is the intersection of communication and content creation. But the results of this are magic. So when you build a living document with Quip, the content, the words, the images, the spreadsheet data, it becomes the communication. Clarity prevails. Good decision-making is accelerated and teamwork improves. Over a million users and thousands of teams are using Quip's living documents instead of email and files and superfluous chat. You can learn about this. Go to quip 
com slash quit. Learn about it. I'll tell you right, right now, if you were to go, you would still see the two of them hand in hand like that, their fingers still intertwined, still staring at each other. And all they do is stare into each other's eyes and talk about living documents. It's actually kind and of And if creepy. you try to separate them, like you wedge like a ruler or something in between their hands and like, like electricity like flying all around right. them, like they you're disrupting like a, a field. a slight glow about them. People have tried throwing spears and they just bounce off. Yeah, it's nuts. You can't get it. You can't no. get them apart. They've built a little, like, you know how the, around Chernobyl they had to build like a, they call it the sarcophagus around it to just contain the energy. Yeah. They tried building one of those, obliterated it. Oh, the next day they come back, there's this rubble around them. Yeah. They're going to, right now the plan is to dig underneath them and try to move them somewhere. Or maybe like dig underneath them and just let them go all the way down and like so the, sink into the core. China syndrome. Quip.com slash quit. So I have one email I would like to read. I had a whole I bunch have, come in. Yeah, they're over No, here. but now I'm doing this one. I know you get a whole stack. <laughs> okay. I know you got a fat stack. Yeah, of cheddar. But I'm From doing, a side I'm hustle. This. <laughs> because this one came in and it sounded kind of urgent. That's what you ran around for. Yeah. Okay. While you were talking and I did the little keep, like, keep talking. Keep talking. All right. And here, here is the email. I cannot identify this person's name or gender okay? because they have told me not to. They said it would be too easy to identify, to identify them. So here's the thing. If, if that's the case, tell me that in the first line of the email. Not the last. Not the last line. It helps me <laughs> and I appreciate it. <laughs> this person, why that person, Hattie? This person is a dietitian in a hospital. They say there's no real upward mobility in their department. Just got accepted to a grad program. Uh, and they say there's lots happening now and in the near future. Work will pay for school in exchange for two years of commitment. There are also some potential opportunities in other departments that would not require any school. They'd probably be more satisfying than, uh, than their current job, but won't pay anymore. School, they write, school will take at least two years and then will require a two-year commitment. And the resulting job would probably pay about 150% of their current salary, which is the same thing as saying 1.5 times more. I guess I'm worried about the time and commitment to school and work. I think I value being nimble a lot. On the other hand, I've been stagnant in my current position for six years and feel like I've gone nowhere. My question is, should I do school or seek other opportunities that don't require school. Thanks for everything you do. Secret person. <laughs> secret squirrel. Secret squirrel. Okay, secret secret squirrel. I think I think this is a great question. There are some things that I don't know. Are you supporting a family? Uh do you have a a, a spouse who will help you? Uh are there children that you're trying to support? What is your fallback? Do you have money saved? From what I can gather from this email, it sounds like you've got, <clears throat> excuse me, you've got spent, you've spent six years in this job. You mentioned money several times. So I'm definitely getting the impression that you feel that you're worth more. And I also get the impression distinctly that you are not that satisfied in the current job. So let me understand this. 
you've been stagnant in the current job for six years. You're making less than you feel you're worth. And you think that maybe school and then another guaranteed job after school is one way to go versus just finding another job right now. Well, in your field, my question for you, and it's not explained here other than the fact that you think you'd get 150% more, it, it sounds like in your field, additional education is highly valued. So if you were making 100000 and you spent two years in school, you would then come out of school and make 150000 I don't know many people who could up, who could their, pay up their pay grade that much with a guaranteed job after school. <laughs> right. All they're asking for you is to spend two years. Now, you're 33 years old. I don't know, but two years, I can tell you from my perspective, two years is not a lot of time. Not at all. And it's a lot what? of time if you're faster. miserable. It's a lot of time if you hate what you're doing. But it's not a lot of time in the grand scheme of things. No, a, but and fifty thousand dollar pay grade, pay assuming raise. They're, I mean, assuming they're making a hundred, I don't know what they're right, making. Right, I'm just saying. But like that big of an increase, that matters. Matters a lot. And if the end, they're going to pay for school, right? Didn't that, isn't that what this person right. said? They'll pay off school. The schooling is free. And then you'll get work. Your... Will, work will pay for school. How? Who's not? <laughs> Would you like How a free cruise to the Bahamas? Job? Also, we're going to give you some money. <laughs> all, and all they're asking is, to, oh, you know what? And after you get to school, we're going to have to pay you a uh, 1.5 times more than you were making. Sorry. Sucks to be you. <laughs> I wish I could do that. <laughs> I mean, how do you, uh, you know, think about Can it. Can I go to school and, <laughs> and up my my pay? How do, you, how do you like this deal, Hattie? Tell me if you like this Okay. Deal. I'll send you to go get an advanced degree. It'll take two years. I'll pay for it. And then when you're done with it, I'll pay, like, you more. pay you a lot more money. You just have to agree to stay here for two years. That sounds like a sweet deal. <laughs> I would do that. What's the downside? Because then you know what? Now you're making, like you said, we don't know if it's a hundred. You were making a hundred. Now you're making one hundred fifty. There's probably another step in that ladder. <laughs> Keep <Yeah>. going. <laughs> Better yourself. I mean, it, and you know, the another way to look at it is if they're making fifty k, now they'd be making seventy five k. Yes, and fifty to seventy five k. That's, that's a, a big, big jump. jump. That's a big jump. Yep. Where else could you get? a raise of 25k or a raise of right. 50k also it's not a side hustle so you know that you also you're you're not ever going to hopefully ever be making less than that again because you've just up your game right so once you spend your two years there <laughs> if you think you can go to a place and make even more money do it i don't maybe I don't more think there's school a and more money i don't know <laughs> Is the downside that you would have to stay in your current role for two more years? Or is that not the getting paid for that two years? No, that they've got to get paid. School? They're getting paid, and they're here's their, they're getting paid. They're staying. The schooling in the, is free. The schooling is free, but they're not full time student. They're in their current job, getting paid, taking school on the side, and now you're telling me you've got a job that's willing to accommodate your schedule. Come on, 
This is a no-brainer. People are listening to this right now, and they're saying, oh, I wish I could. I wish that. I I wish my boss would pay for my school and accommodate my educational schedule. Right. Are you nuts? <laughs> I think they I think they've got to do it. My sister doesn't get any days off. She just started a new job. Right, for like a, a year. She doesn't get any days off for a year. <laughs> for the first year, she only gets sick days and I don't know how many days that is. <laughs> oh, Katie. <laughs> I was talking to our our mutual friend the other millennial and he was telling <laughs> me he was telling me that uh, the company that he works for he he goes on vacations constantly constantly. I and, think I know, yeah, that millennial. And uh, and he's every, every it seems like every other weekend. Well, we went up to Houston. Oh, we're driving over here. I'm taking off Friday. I'm taking off Monday. And first of all, good for him. Now I don't know which millennial we're talking about. Oh, okay. And he uh, he says, yeah, you know, I get company i work for we get unlimited vacation and i use it and uh, you know what good for him like good for him also he's very hard worker he is a very hard worker but i think that's a new the new way to do it is like you don't offer like when i was there you had to earn vacation right so you you would start out and they'd be like you get five vacation days right the standard christmas right. or whatever right. new year's that's all it. you get all our holidays but in addition to that you only get five vacation days once you've been here for a year now you get two weeks you know two weeks and once you've been here for five years then you get three weeks right. or whatever you had to you had to earn that in order to uh in order to use it now it's like and then i worked at a place like i'm like oh how many vacation days do i get well oh you get this many paid vacation days, but and you get unlimited unpaid. time, you know, unlimited time off. Really? And that was whether it was like, it was a, a you. So you got a certain amount of paid time off that was either right. vacation or sick days, and then you got an unlimited amount of just time off. So you could be like, oh, you know what? We want to drive out to you know the beach, and I'm going to leave. We'll leave Friday. I'm going to need Friday off, but I don't. I want that as an unpaid day off. Right, I'm just t- I didn't work that part of the day. Right, but okay. you might get 14 paid days off. You can use as sick days. You can use as well. And then I've met other places which is like, oh, you get unlimited sick days. We don't want you here if you're sick. So unlimited sick days. <laughs> you liked those days, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, but I. So I mean, now it's just it's very interesting because you need those kinds of perks like unlimited sick days, unlimited time off. You need them because what it does is it makes the person in that job feel like they have more of a responsibility because they're obviously not going to abuse that. They're going to say, you know what? My friends and my coworkers and my boss are counting on me. I'm going to use these days wisely. Personal pressure. Because I know that like they're, you know, they're trusting me. Right. And that's what I think I think is really interesting with the unlimited days off. Somebody's not going to get in there and be like, I take off every other day. <laughs> right. Like, you're right. going to get fired. You're going to get but, fired. But, but it leaves it ambiguous to where you're almost scared in a good way to take too many days off. So, yeah, like, unless you're, you're this setting, guy and he's taking every other weekend off. Every Friday, Monday, Friday, Monday, Friday, Monday. Well, I think in the long run, that'll How do make you been here? Longer. How long have you been here? Uh, three? Three years. Almost three? Wait. Do we have four years? Four years. Almost four? Yeah. Flew by. Do we have a vacation sick day policy? Well, sick is just Other than don't I, we, you and I have in, a you and I gross. have a personal agreement that you will not get sick. Right. 
Because if well, you get sick, you may not be welcome give to me come props. back. How many times have I been sick? Um, once. Yeah, tw- twice maybe. Yeah, and once was during the, the time that I was also. You sick. were also sick, so it didn't really count. Right, we both had the flu. Right, no and one. We was got it at the Austin <laughs> Comic Con that we great. went to. We both, I think, like we went there, and then both of us two days later. Everyone had the flu. You had it before terrible. me. Yeah. And then it hit me, and I was like, "Great." <laughs> so that was excused. But but unless like I, I would just say you, ask you, I'm yeah. like, "Look, uh, you know, doing I, right." So I don't have a policy, no. but I'm too. We're too small of a business to have a policy. Well, also, you'd be like, "Honey, you can take the day off," and I'm like, "Look, Dan, I have a lot of things to do." <laughs> right, you're afraid of your email when you get back. You have to be like, "Honey, it's six. We have to go." Yeah. I'm like, fine. So that's what I'm saying. That's not a millennial thing at all. Anyway, what millennials, what are you going to do? Millennials. That's it. That's all we got for this uh, episode. It was a good episode, and I yelled a lot. I like it. Pretty soon you can take over the show. Yeah. Go to see a couple links, uh, the articles we talked about, 5x5.tv slash quit slash 95. Four more of these, five more of these left. Maybe, Forever. Maybe more. Maybe more. <laughs> no, probably just five. <laughs> or none. No, five. Okay. And you can uh, you can go there. You can follow Hattie on Twitter. She's at Hattie Bird, H-A-D-D-I-E Bird. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. Go to 5x5.tv slash contact and you'll, uh, you'll see the little link there to send us email. Please do. We love your email. We love your feedback. We've got lots of letters. In fact, Hattie, let's make our next show all listener mail, 100%. Deal. Episode 96 is going to be listener mail. So if you're listening to this right now and you've ever wanted to say anything or you have something on your mind or a dilemma or whatever, send uh, the email to us now and we will uh, we will uh, read it, review it, and do it on the next show. Listener email. Love it. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week. Peace.